G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Jesus did not teach that good people go to heaven. What did he teach? Forgiven people go to heaven. Hi and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Today we continue Pastor Jeff's message on heaven and who gets there. It's not those who are good enough. So who is worthy? How is it the righteousness of God that brings us salvation? We can't meet the requirements. So God sent His Son to meet them on our behalf so that you and I could be deemed righteous in the eyes of God. Our sin has been punished. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we continue Heaven, Who Gets There? Romans chapter 3, verse 23. I'm going to read these five verses and interpret. All right? All have fallen short of the glory of God. Let me interpret that for you. Everybody tried, nobody made it. (laughs) The best person you think you know, not going to get there. Not going to make it. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. Let me interpret that for you. There are no good people anywhere to be found. Jack Johnson, one of my favorite artists. Oh, beautiful music from Hawaii. He wrote a song called, Where'd All the Good People Go? I got the answer. They never were here in the first place. They're not. There's only been one. Just one. Not in the past, not in the present, nor will there be in the future. There's no one that Jesus looks at and says, that's a righteous dude there. No. Romans 3, verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous by observing the law. Interpretation. When you die, God is not going to say, Jeff, come up here. Woo, you were good. You kept the law. I mean, you and the law, you were so good that all the angels gathered in heaven and said, let's watch this guy because he's good. No, the Bible says nobody, no one's going to be declared righteous. Not one single person. That when God sees all of us, the scales are tipped heavenly in the wrong direction. As a matter of fact, I like what Paul says to clear this up in Romans chapter three, verse 20, because there might be a lot of people saying, well, what is the purpose of the law then? Rather, verse 20, through the law, we become conscious of sin. (laughs) Do you know what he's saying? Do you know why he gave the law? Not so that you could be saved by it. That was never the intention. Ravi Zacharias, one of my favorite authors says, he gave the law to show you and me that our face is dirty. He gave you the law so that you would look at it and say, whoo, I'm a bad guy. I'm really bad. There's a lot of bad in me. And the more you learn about the law, let me tell you what happens. The more you grow in your faith, the badder you are. Because the more knowledge you have of the good. If this is your standard, you're in big trouble. But there's something about us here in good old America. God bless us, everyone. There's something about us. Good God, good Bible, 
You know, good heaven. I'm, I'm basically a good person. Now, I'm not perfect. Again, shocker. Thank you. But you know, I'm relatively good. But the Bible says you're not that good. And if this is the benchmark, it's so high, nobody's ever going to get there. Now, are we clear on that? Number two, the second problem is this. There is no clear direction concerning the curve or the cut line. (laughs) I'll meet people now that will say to me, well, Jeff, it's not about this now, not about that. It's about this, that all through time, God is going to gather up all the people and it's, we're all going to be graded on a curve. He's going to start with the good people and then work his way back from there. Now, Not only is that the most preposterous thing I've ever heard in my life, but think about its complications. It's got one major flaw. Do you remember geometry class? Were you good? Most of us weren't. And I had a teacher sent from heaven because the teacher said to us, I want to let you all know the geometry class is going to be hard, but we're going to grade on a curve. And it would have been good, but we had doggone Albert Einstein Jr. sitting at the front of the class. Who, geometry was what he did in his spare time. It was like his hobby. And so some of the, some of the students, some of the people, now, now I would never do this because, you know, someday I would get older and I would become a senior pastor of Christ Church of the Valley and I didn't need that on my record, but some of the guys in the class took that little guy and threatened him and told him, don't you show up on test day. Now, that, that's horrible, isn't it? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, we thought, uh, they thought they were justified. <laughs> they thought it was a good thing to do. The problem is this, though. When it comes to the goodness game, there's nowhere in the Bible that tells us what the curve is. Nowhere in the Bible gives us a percentage of any kind. And again, somebody will say, well, Jeff, as long as you keep the good book. Hold, hold on a second. Where's the curve? of how much you have to keep by the good book. There's so many philosophical issues that arise. Here's one of them. When I talk to people about this, it's amazing. When we talk about the day of accountability before God, I don't know how many people in New Zealand would give me the same old scenario. And they were all acting like they were all going to get in line behind Hitler, Stalin, and Lenin, and other serial killers. I mean, not everybody can get in line behind them. What happens if you get in line behind Mother Teresa or Billy Graham? Then you're going to look pretty bad. And the curve's going to work against you, not for you. The other thing is, folks, what are the big sins that count a lot against you? Murder? You know, pedophilia? Are those bad sins worse than others and take us way down on the balance scale? But the Bible says that's ludicrous. As a matter of fact, it lists stealing and murder in the same verse in the Bible, all of whom will not go into the kingdom of heaven. That all sin is cosmic treason. And Matthew chapter 5 says, thinking about adultery is as bad as committing it. Good people go to heaven. The other thing I ask, where does it all start? When does God start keeping count? Because I've got to tell you, I know some of you, and you don't have enough time left in your life to do enough good to equal the bad. In fact, that's true of my life too, isn't it? Of course it is. If this is your standard, listen, here's the point I'm making. If you believe that good people go to heaven, you've made a standard up in your own mind. You've created a reality in your own mind and you're hoping that it will be God's reality too. 
And the best answer you can give me when I say, how do you know that good people will go to heaven is that's just the way it is. You've got no objective proof and you're banking your eternal existence on something you made up. Here's what's worse. The Bible says you can't be trusted. Now you do this, just be honest, right? Here's what we do. The sins that I don't struggle with and the habits that don't tip me, oh, those are evil. God's going to get those people. He's going to put them in jail, lock them, lock them up, throw away the key. They're going to suffer. They're going to burn in hell. Those bad, bad people. But then the sins and the habits in my life that I do struggle with, God understands. He knows me. He knows I'm ADD. He knows I'm ADHD. He just knows I'm not BAD. God knows my mother didn't love me and my daddy spanked me once too often. He knows why I'm like this. Any scenario you come up with, any scale you come up with, it originates from you, not God, and you can't be trusted because you're all about self-preservation. It all comes from you. Now, here's the third problem. It makes a liar out of Jesus Christ. If good people go to heaven, Jesus lied. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and the message is heaven. Who gets there? Nobody is good enough to get themselves there, but those who accept forgiveness will enter. Let's continue with Pastor Jeff. If good people go to heaven, Jesus lied. Now, it's interesting. In all the debates and discussions I've had, even with atheists, it's amazing. I've yet to have one look me in the eye and tell me willingly that Jesus was a liar. You know, if they don't agree with me on something, sexuality, honesty, integrity, the way you use your money, your worldview, they'll never say that Jesus is a liar. They may say, well, that's not what the Bible says. Then I'll take them and show them. And then their next comment is, well, that's the way you see it. That's not the way I see it. But they never will just look at me and say, Jesus lied. But let me tell you something. If good people go to heaven, Jesus is a liar. Because Jesus didn't say good people go to heaven. Jesus said bad people go to heaven. And good people do not. You say, Jeff, that's kind of hard for me to hear. You think it's hard for you to hear? Think about the people in the first century. The Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribe. Jesus comes. He walks on the earth. He sees these religious do-gooders. He looks over at them. Now, remember what they were. They were professional, righteous people. They had written reams and reams of paper describing how you would walk, how you would eat, how you would sleep. Yeah, there are ways to sleep to be righteous. How you would do all those things so that you would be a professional, righteous man. The reason they did that was because the Jewish law said that only those who were righteous would be able to recognize the Messiah. Kind of ironic, isn't it? They're the ones who missed him. (laughs) So Jesus comes on the scene in a culture that believes, oh, those are righteous people over there. Man, they're good. And Jesus says, "Uh, let let me talk to you just a minute. He says, see those people over there? Unless your goodness exceeds theirs, you're not going to go to heaven. Can you imagine what they thought? What? Are, are you crazy? I mean, they're the goodest people we know. Nobody's gooder than them. They, they, they're good on their spare time. They're good all the time. They're professionals. What chance do we have? And then Jesus goes all around Palestine telling bad people, you're going, you're forgiven. It's, it's all good. Sweet. You're, you're in. You're forgiven. Can you imagine how angry the people would have been because Jesus taught that the best of the best were not going to make it and the worst of the worst would? Because Jesus did not teach that good people go to heaven. What did he teach? Forgiven people go to heaven. 
Now, I want you to turn over to the passage in Romans 1, verse 16 through 18. I want you to listen very closely. This is the greatest theological treatise ever written concerning the good news of the gospel. And I hope it turns your world upside down. Comes the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the Apostle Paul who writes a letter to the church at Rome. And here's what he says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's good news. For it is the power of God for salvation. Whose power? Whose power for salvation? So not yours, right? Okay. For everyone who works very, very, very hard. No, no, no. For everyone who what? Believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Uh, uh, Whose righteousness? So not yours. Not yours? No. Whose righteousness? God's. Now that Greek word, remember, it represents two ideas. There are two ways in the economy of God to be righteous. Number one, you keep the law perfectly. And I do mean perfectly, 100%. That's the only way you can be righteous by the law, which means it's impossible for us unless we're delusional which there are some people floating around that are. Number one, keep the law perfectly or pay the penalty for breaking it. Now, the problem with that is the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So we, don't, we can't keep it perfectly and we don't really want to die. We'd rather not. So how is it the righteousness of God that brings us salvation? We can't meet the requirements. So God sent his son to meet them on our behalf. So that he took your sins and mine to the cross, past, present, future, nailed them to a tree so that you and I could be deemed righteous in the eyes of God. Not pragmatically that we are perfect, but because we have met the requirement of the law and that our sin has been punished. You see, folks, the reality is I don't think you realize the position you're in. Remember, young people, university students, this is the thing that separates Christianity from every other religion. Every other religion is do, work hard, do this, travel to the east, travel to this place. And even then you might not be saved. Maybe you'll get in. Do this, do that. Pray five times, do this, go to this city, chant these mantras, whatever. It's only Christianity that tells you, no, 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 not do, done. Everything that needed to be done for you to go to heaven was done 2000 years ago on the cross of Jesus Christ. When he paid the penalty for your sin and mine. It's not due, it's done. And now every man takes it by faith. As a matter of fact, that's what he says. But the righteous man shall live by works. No, by what? Faith. Faith in what? Faith in the reality that God sent his son to die on a cross for payment for your sin. Well, Jeff, are works not involved at all? Now listen closely. Of course, but not in salvation. No, You can't do anything to merit forgiveness. Works are the natural result that comes along after the fact. It's what you do out of gratitude and appreciation to a heavenly father that has forgiven you. Grace means unmerited favor. But even then, there's no certain level of works you have to achieve. It's just something that we all engage in because we love God for what he's done for us. But we're not judged by those works. We're saved by grace. You're never going to be good enough to get into heaven, ever. So the only thing you can do is bow your head and drop to your knee and beg the court for mercy. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus went to the cross. Mercy was given. Do you understand that? Cambodia, 1979. Cambodia, the land 
the gentle land being murdered, evil men at the top of the regime murdering and killing the people. And yet there was a play that began to circulate that went like this. Stay with me, this is the end. Here's how the play went. Peasant farmer is walking through the forest with his peasant wife. She's beautiful. The prince of that kingdom comes driving by in the carriage, sees the beauty of the maiden, takes her by force into his carriage and then into the palace. The peasant farmer, devastated, goes to the palace and pleads with the king. King, your son has taken my wife. The king says, I don't think my son would do that. So he brings the maiden out. And in front of all the king and his court and the people, he asks the young maiden, is this man your husband? She says, no. The prince is glad, peasant farmer, stricken with remorse and sadness. But the priest is standing close by and he knows that there's something wrong. Why would a peasant farmer risk his life by coming to the palace and claiming that a woman that does not belong to him belongs to him? So he comes up with an idea. He says, I tell you what, I've got some truth serum here. I'm going to give this truth serum to both. And because one of them is going to die for lying, I'm going to let each of them have five minutes with the maiden. First is the peasant farmer to whom the woman rightfully belongs. They give them a long, long pole with a big barrel in the middle and say, you cannot come into contact, no physical touching, just one on each end of the pole. So the peasant farmer adores his wife. I love you. Why did you say that I was not your husband? She said, because the prince told me that if I did, he would kill you and all of our people in the village. The peasant farmer's devastated, not knowing what to do. His time is up. And then in comes the prince. Again, the big barrel in the middle and the long poles at each end. He doesn't try to bear any of the weight. Shows no real love for her. And just belittles her and verbally bashes her for the whole five minutes, threatening her again that if you say that the peasant farmer is your husband, I'll kill him, you, and all the village. And then they all come out. And the priest is there and he says, now we're going to hear the truth. And out of the little barrel in the middle pops a little boy who had been taking notes the whole time. (laughs) All of the people in Cambodia who saw this play, the story goes, on the edge of their seats to find out what happens. The little boy pops out. And everybody's just mesmerized. They're applauding. Yeah, righteousness won. It's good. And then all of a sudden, the king in the play pulls out his sword. And all of his men of armor pull their swords and they kill everybody that believed the story of the little boy. Dr. Ravi Zacharias, who tells this story, says he was seated next to an atheist in 1979 in Cambodia when he saw this play. The atheist turned to him and said, you know what this play needed? A savior somebody to take up the cause of the weak. (laughs) You and I are like the prince and his family. We got no recourse. We got no course of action. The odds are so heavily stacked against us, we can simply not live up to the standard. It's one thing to compare ourselves to one another, but when we compare ourselves to the perfect holiness and righteousness of God, we fall way short. The only thing we can do is if somebody takes up our cause for the weak, That's exactly what Jesus did when he came to this earth. Before you leave, I got one question for you. Well, two. Are you going to heaven? Why? If you're banking on your good works, you're in big trouble. But if you've embraced Jesus as your savior, let me say what that means. That doesn't just mean looking over and say, yeah, cool guy, love Jesus. Great guy, sweet, I'm in. No, it means that as savior... You understand that you now are not your own. 
You've been bought with a price. Jesus owns you and your life is to be lived for him. Not in an effort to earn salvation, but out of gratitude for what has already been provided to the cross. It's your choice. Father, I thank you for your goodness, for the truth of your word, for its power and its authority in our lives. I pray right now in Jesus' name that every eye would be opened. And for those who have been depending so long on how good they are to get them into heaven, I pray that the power and truth of your spirit would overwhelm them, that he would come in like a flood and the truth would be known that there's none of us ever going to be or ever could we be good enough to earn salvation and forgiveness. But Father, what we could not earn in and of ourselves, you have provided generously that now all who bow their head and bend their knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, acknowledging that his sacrifice has put us into a right relationship with you and that we live our lives for your glory and your purpose. Father, I pray that we would understand the difference between meriting salvation and living a life out of gratitude for what has already been provided. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and that's the end of Heaven, Who Gets There? Jesus has already given the gift of mercy, which, if we accept, will provide us a place in heaven. There's more information and resources from Pastor Jeff via our website. Just visit vision.org.au and search for Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.